Well, you might have caught the story this past week of a young man who was seven years old by the name of Preston who uh, decided to take the family car for a little joyride. Did you catch that story? He was um, seven years old, so when he got in the car, he, he barely could see over the dashboard and touch the accelerator, but somehow he was able to manage it, and he drove all over his little town in Utah. Uh, about 8 a.m. last Sunday morning. And uh, I, I was kind of surprised that uh, the news media jumped all over that uh, the way that they did because it seemed a little more like a local story to me. But the thing that seemed to be giving it you know, momentum so that I saw it literally on multiple international broadcasts and it's had tens of thousands of hits on YouTube. And here you see him interviewed uh, on the Today Show. Um, the thing that was giving it so much momentum is that uh, apparently he was trying to skip going to church. <laughs> so Preston, why would you do this? Why would you take mom and dad's car? And he was like, I didn't want to go to church. <laughs> and the media loved that, you know, and they took that angle and took that spin. And, you know, if you read any of the blogs or the uh, online commentary, if you heard any of the uh, uh, news commentary, over and over people are saying, hey, I'm with a kid. I don't blame him. I don't want to go to church either. He finally gets home, jumps out of the car, runs into the house. Police are following him into the house. His dad didn't even know he was gone. He says, son, what's happening? Hey, why would anybody go to church? Why wouldn't anyone do what this kid did and avoid it at all costs? I mean, take today, for example. Pretty, pretty nice day out there. Well, I mean, we're surrounded by mountains and lakes that are just begging for us to go recreate, right? We've got uh, some uh, spectacular activity going on downtown Seattle. Just on the local front, uh, we got coffee shops with outdoor tables and umbrellas serving up rich drinks. And it's the time to read the newspaper or have a conversation. Why would anyone go to church and sit in a room such as you unless the living God was going to be present. Unless the living God was going to manifest Himself in our midst in such a way that we could encounter and experience Him. You go, I can do that on the mountain or out on the lake really well. Yeah, but the Bible makes it very clear that there is something very unique when the people of God, the church, come together in the name of Jesus. He says, there I will show up in their midst in a special, unique, manifest way. Now, the prophet Isaiah understood this. And in a time of some national crisis and, and personal crisis for him, the year that King Uzziah died, as we're told in chapter 6 of that book, Isaiah said, I went to the temple. 
What's it like for you when you walk in the door? I tend to think, uh, because I, you know, I catch it when I walk in the door, we, we do a little bit of greeting and there's a little chit-chat going on in the lobby. I'm grabbing a cup of coffee or whatever. Isaiah came in the door and boom, immediately encountered the presence of God. Now, it wasn't like God hadn't been there and all of a sudden He showed up. God was there all along. But suddenly Isaiah began to have an awareness of God. We say God manifests Himself, but really we become heightened in our awareness of this magnificent presence that's there all the time anyway. And his own testimony is that when he, he walked into the temple precinct and he immediately was struck with the greatness and the grandeur of God's presence, he said it was like God was so large and so big that the train of his robe, just the hem of his garment was down in the temple area. Everything else was out of sight. And smoke was billowing all around, which had always been a symbolic evidence of God's presence. And he says, suddenly I got tuned in to the heavenly beings and these angelic creatures were flying all around him and they were all in chorus saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. His glory is in all the earth. And Isaiah said the foundation under his feet began to tremble and shake. And he said, I was so struck with the holiness of God. I said, woe is me. I'm a sinful man. I am so undone. And I live amongst a people who are undone. And at that moment, one of those angelic beings went over to the altar and retrieved a hot coal and came over and touched Isaiah's life and cleansed and purged and ushered in the forgiveness of God for his sin. That's why we're in here. Because God has invited us. God has said, I'm going to show up with you. Will you allow me to drop the scales from your eyes and the barriers in your heart so that you can have a glimpse, not a comprehension, he's too big to comprehend, a glimpse of my glory. Allow me to touch, allow me to purge, allow me to cleanse, allow me to speak into your heart and into your life. Jesus described it in the New Testament this way. He said it was just like a guy that had gone out into a field and he was working the field, belonged to someone else. And as he was doing what he was doing, he suddenly unearthed a hidden treasure. And he was so taken with the the gloriousness of this hidden treasure, he buried it back right where it was, and then he went and liquidated all of his assets. He, he sold everything that he had so that he could purchase this ground and thereby have the treasure. Jesus said that's what the kingdom of God is like. You understand its 
incomparable grandeur and beauty and you give all there is, you liquidate all there is of yourself in order to have the treasure that is God. Are you enjoying the treasure today? Are you in awe of the person and the presence of God? Francis Chan says it this way. He says, we all have spiritual amnesia. We all forget every day through much of the day how great, how awesome, how magnificent, how uh, incomparable God is. He said, we've got spiritual amnesia. Every day we forget. Every day we have to go through certain little routines that remind us of His greatness. Think about it on a big scale. You're looking at the Milky Way. God created that. Our galaxy has 200 billion stars like our sun. There's our sun right there. You recognize it? 200 billion suns stars in our galaxy and there are 100 billion galaxies now some of you are much more astute with numbers than I am what is like the difference between a million billion and trillion let's just think about that for a moment a million seconds ago it was July 21 that's kind of remarkable a billion seconds ago, it was August 1977. A trillion seconds ago, it was 29701 B.C. You see the difference in those numbers that we're talking about? And so, we're talking about 200 billion stars in the Milky Way. And we're talking about one galaxy that just happens to be a hundred million light years in diameter. You say, what's a light year? A light year is 5.88 trillion miles. And there are a hundred billion galaxies. Is that too big? Let's bring it down real small. How about your eyeball? Your eyeball has one, one million optic nerves in it. And when you are in this formation process uh, as an embryonic fetus, there are these one million optic nerves that need to connect with one million nerves in your brain. And they do perfectly. Optic nerve number one connects with brain nerve number one. Optic nerve number 208,000 connects with brain nerve 208,000. That, that happens a million times over in one eye. So that you have the capacity to see at some point when you are born into this world. Now, here's the thing that just is marvelous to me. Around the sixth month, and, here, and this is a medical term, 
mysteriously a blade appears and cuts a slit so that you have an upper lid and a lower lid to your eye. How did that blade get there? You have 75 trillion cells in your body. They replenish 50,000 cells every four to five seconds. Okay? Are you getting tired? You're just replenishing, 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 replenishing. 75,000 miles of blood vessels all through your body. 20 square feet of skin on most of you. I got a little more. And all of it's replenished every two weeks. Every two weeks. Fully replenished skin. In your brain, there are a hundred million messages a second. All, almost instantaneously, discerned as to what's important, what's not important, what needs to be filed away, what needs to be acted on. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, what a wondrous thing. The little three-pound brain. And all of this, the brain, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the arms, the legs, are because of two cells. One from mom and one from dad. And you are so unique, there's not another one ever, ever, ever like you. How great is God. Because you see, God decided that, and He was totally complete in Himself. He didn't have any need. Totally complete in Himself with no need. But He decided, I think I want to create a person, people, and have relationship with them. Share my life with them. And so I'll create this universe hundred billion galaxies. And then in this one galaxy, I'll put 200 billion stars. And with one of those stars, I'll create a solar system. And in that solar system, I'll have one planet that can so relate to that one sun that it can contain life as I'm going to create it. And then I will take two cells and I will create your life and then I will breathe into your nostrils the capacity to interact in this world. And I'll put a soul in you, a spirit in you, that has capacity to know me and to commune with me. I'm going to do all that. Because I want to have a relationship with you. And then our forebears come along... And they take all this grandeur, they take all this momentous stuff that, that God has done, and they go, you know what, that piece of fruit really looks good to me. And they bring a, a coup, a rebellion against Creator God, 
so that this connection that He created for us is severed. And so what I want to suggest to you today, friends, is as fantastic, as magnificent as creation is, in all of its bigness and minuteness, redemption is even greater. Greater than creation. Because God then in all of His magnificence says, alright, I'm going to undo this sinful rebellion. I'm going to move out of glory. I'm going to incarnate myself into... I'm going to take my uh, infiniteness, my infinity. I'm going to put that down into an infinite, into a finite being. I'm going to incarnate myself into a person. And as Jesus, He walked this planet, rubbed shoulders with us, told us the good news that He was going to pay the price for our rebellion and sin and atone us and make it right, justify us and reestablish relationship with us. Say, well, how does that happen? How does someone actually get squared up with God and go to heaven? Well, the way that we typically think about it, particularly in our part of the world, the Western world, we, we typically think about it as you just become good enough. You become more good than bad people, and then the good people go to heaven, the bad people don't. And so we kind of put it on this continuum of how good we can be. And we're not sure what that looks like, and so we kind of look around at the people around us to see how we stack up and how we measure up with that, right? And so for us in this country, a lot of the times we think about one of the real pinnacles of goodness as being a guy like Billy Graham, right? I mean, here's a guy that's been in the public arena for decades, and he has always been there with the fullest sense of integrity, and he's always been one of America's most admired men, etc. So... He would tell you, I'm not perfect by any means. My wife and my children would testify that I've not been perfect. So let's just, you know, for argument's sake, put him up there at a 90. He's, he's a pretty good guy, right? But let's go a little more local and think about what, what about a guy like Bill Gates? Now, he has a reputation for not particularly being spiritual. But wow, how generous can a guy get He's created the largest charitable foundation in the world. He gives away billions of dollars. He's, uh, you know, trying to partner with a number of organizations to attack and overcome illiteracy and all kinds of uh, educational challenges as well as health challenges. I mean, you have to say, man, talk about the embodiment of, like, good deeds and trying to make a difference in this world. He's not up there with Billy. But uh, let's give him about a 70, you think? You Apple guys are going, no, I wouldn't do that. Uh, so for the sake of argument, all right? But then let's come along and uh, think about a guy like Bernie Madoff. Remember him? Former chairman of NASDAQ and this, like, superstar investment guy 
who turned out to be the world's largest Ponzi scheme artist, built people out of at least $50 billion. You go, oh, he's going to hell, no question about that. <laughs> well, friends, it all still falls in the category of white-collar crime. I mean, it, he's not an axe murderer. He's not a serial murderer. I mean, there's some really grotesque stuff that's out there. Some would make the case, you know, God could probably forgive a guy like Madoff, and he might be a 30 in there. So let's talk about you. Where would you fall in there? You go, well, I, I'm ahead of Bernie Madoff. Keep it going to the right. <laughs> Better than Bill Gates? You think? So between Bill and Billy? Here's what the Bible says. The only people that can have relationship with me and can go to heaven someday when they die are those that have 100% goodness. 100% righteousness. That means Billy don't make it. He's not good enough. And thus God says, but you know what, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to cover the price of sin. And for every heart that will have faith and trust in me and receive my grace, I'm going to birth them anew. Romans 3.20 says it this way, No one can be made right with God by following the law. The law only shows us our sin. It only shows us how busted we are. So this is how someone goes to heaven. Jesus' mission was not to come and make bad people good. Because we can never be good enough. Jesus' mission was to come and make dead people alive. Because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and took the forbidden fruit and exercised their right to a rebellion, they died. And all of the descendants of Adam and Eve, that's you and me, were born into this world dead to God. And so He didn't come into this world to show you how to become a more good, a gooder person who can be good enough. He came to make your dead soul alive. Ephesians 1.19 I, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of His power for us who believe in Him. Ephesians 2.1 Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. Sins. One sin was enough. One lie one theft. James says it this way, if you know what is right to do and you don't do it, sin. So there are not only sins of commission, but sins of omission. It only takes one. He says, but you are doomed because you got not, not just one, you got many. But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life. 
when he raised Christ from the dead. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. I'm suggesting to you God is great. And as great as we can kind of comprehend Him to be in creation, He is even greater in redemption. Saving you. Saving me. Now we go out and we'll take a look at the snow-capped peaks. I mean, I can't get a a glimpse of Baker or Rainier or St. Helens without just being taken aback by God. Or, you know, you go out and you check out the intricacies of flowers and plants. Or you, you drink in the splash of colors with a sunset. Or like I got to do this past week and you you go to the hospital and you check out the wonder of a new baby that's just been born. All of the bundle of life that is in that little child. You just marvel. You just marvel. God is just marvelous. And then you're reminded, but he was also so magnificent. He could take something ugly, broken, busted, sinful, and transform it into a child of God, a son, a daughter of God. So that's why I'm referring to today as worship being the magnifying of God. Worship is about showing the worth, declaring the worth, of God. Worthship. And so we, we magnify, we, we remind ourselves in our spiritual amnesia about His greatness, about His creative ability, about His redemptive grace, about all of His provisions, about His activity in our midst. We magnify, we magnify. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity to do that now. And here's the way it's going to work. I'm going to give you a phrase like, God is good. And then I'm going to let you fill in the blank. God is good because, and magnify Him with something that you have seen in recent days. So for example... In recent days, I have seen that God is good because of His power to transform a life. Uh, We have a friend that uh, is one of the leaders in our church. And uh, I had the privilege this past week of him exercising his leadership with a group of our leadership team. And the whole time that he was so ably and and clearly bringing leadership that was getting us in touch with some divine promptings and some divine directions. As he was doing that so well, I kept having flashbacks. Here was a guy that wouldn't go to church when I first met him. He was a skeptic. Here's a guy who just, you know, a few times began to come on the arm of his wife to check it out. 
And then uh, he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate this. This takes some serious investigation. And so he began to read, he began to study, he began to think, he began to have conversations. He took a risk. He, he tried out a share group and began to rub shoulders with people in community. And then he began to put it out there a little bit more, and, and he volunteered, and he began to serve. And then he put it out there a little bit more, which was a significant hurdle for him. And he said, I'm, I'm going to give. And he began to give in generous and sacrificial ways. And the next thing you know, you're looking at a transformed life. That God had so filled him and so changed him that he became Christ-like. And so I'm, I'm sitting around this guy's leadership this past week, and I'm like, God is good. He's able to transform a life. So... I'm going to throw that phrase out to you. God is good. And maybe your response is something like, because He can heal. Or God is good because He provides. Or God is good because He guides. Or God is good because He protects. Or God is good because He bestows wisdom. You know, whatever it is. But I'm going to give some of you an opportunity to respond and magnify God and, and do so with like a 30 or 45 second picture or example of how God is good and you saw it. Alright, you ready? We'll start on this side. God is good. Anybody have a response to that? Because He provides. Because he provides. You want to expound on that? Sure. Uh, so today is uh, the final sign-up for Centerpiece for youth camp. And all the youth forms need to be notarized. And this morning we got a call from our notary that she had a family emergency and wasn't going to be able to make it. Um, so we had to find notaries by 9 a.m. tomorrow for all the youth who wanted to go to camp. And it just so happened that Laura Jordan um, is a notary. And not only that, this is the first weekend that she has ever brought her seal home. <laughs> and so we called her at 8.30 this morning. And sure enough, she was going to be here today and she had her seal home. And she was all right, God provides. Amen. Somebody had a word back here. Yes, sir. I've got a response, Scott. Yes, God is good because. As great as Billy Graham was, as great as Isaiah was in God's sight, God said in his scriptures to Isaiah, he says, remember this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, mm -hmm. and neither are your ways. My ways, saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. For as the rain and the snow cometh down from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, that it maketh bring forth seed for the sower and bread for the eaters. And here's the greatness of this great God that He Amen. I'm sorry. I lost that word. But he is a great God. Amen. He is greater than all of us. And we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Only on that day in 19. Praise the Lord. 
है this side god is good because what you see say it. uh my mother was diagnosed with lung cancer about um four five six months ago she had congestive heart failure she had accumulation she was um we had many discussions about whether she wanted to do chemo or radiation to live or not and uh we had we are very close and we were all that close to very close now she chose to do the treatment to live and she went through it like a champ and lived she hardly felt any side effects and um she's just energy's coming back and she's got a new purpose in her life all right god is good because he heals over on this side someone god is good because of his mercy yeah. got a word on that just being forgiven of things that I've done and just knowing that each day I can um, have an opportunity. Amen. Thank you. One more time over here. God is good? Because He guides us? Because He guides us. And, and what would you say? Off, which would typically be a bad thing, but it's not like the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, it allowed me to have the time to think about what I want to do when I grow up because I didn't know that until like a few weeks ago. <laughs> and um, I'm going to school now and I'm going to have a career and it just has all fallen into place. I'm like, how does that happen? And it's because it's good. I'm going to be a nerd. He's good and he guides us. One more time over here. God is good. Way back there. Matches the right parents with the right children. And that's Riker's testimony, I'm sure. Anything else you want to say about that? Especially while we were in Germany with our friends yeah. and children with babies, Riker. Like, the, the way that those children responded with their parents and Riker responded with us, it would be perfect. Hmm. Yeah. God is good because He matches us with the right parents. Amen. All right. So I want to lead us in a prayer, and we're going to do some worship things. We're going to give you an opportunity to do some magnifying of God with song, with prayer, with Scripture. Uh, but before we do that, allow me to draw your attention to something. On your worship program, there's a, a, a detachable piece to that called a connection card. Most of you are familiar with it. Uh, and a little bit later in the service, we'll ask you to connect with us. But... On the back side of that, there's some next steps that are listed there. We have spiritual amnesia. We have to daily remind ourselves of the greatness of God and worship Him as He deserves to be worshipped. And if you would be interested in our plugging you in to an online devotional or to an online daily Bible reading, you can check one of those and that thing will come to your inbox you go, you know what, I read it a couple of days and I didn't like it. Click it and unsubscribe if you don't like it. But we'll have, uh, if you're interested in that, you can check that and we will uh, register you for either an online devotion or an online uh, daily Bible reading. Those are ways to remind yourself of the greatness of God and the goodness of God. Now, if you already have devotional readings that you do, so don't worry about that. Just do what you do. But for some of us that, you know, we just have good intentions, but we never get to it, this is intended to help you. 
Maybe uh, you, you need to make a commitment to God today that says this. I need to worship Him every day. And I tell you what, this week, I purpose, I will worship Him at least four days this week. I'll worship Him in some kind of devotional or reading thing, or I'll worship Him in some journaling, or in, however it works for you. And maybe you want to indicate that as a commitment to God. Maybe there's some other step that you want to record there, but as most of you know, uh, all of those come to my attention. I take them to our staff meeting. We pray for you over all these things on Monday morning. And so if you want to respond to God in that kind of way, that's an opportunity for you. Now let me say this final word. Friends, the greatest thing that God has done for you is die for you. And if you have not received and appropriated that grace gift and have a relationship with Jesus that saves you today and forever, then maybe on the upper left-hand corner of that connection card where it says, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, maybe you want to check that. And let me pray for you and have a follow-up conversation with you if you'd like to do that. But that, you know, the giving of your life to Him is the best way of worship that we have to give ourselves to Him. Let's pray together. So, Father, we, uh, we turn a page from teaching and, and thinking and reflecting on Scriptures to now we just want to magnify You. We just want to be reminded as well as to declare how great a God You are, how awesome, how there is nothing and no one else that's comparable to You. And so we lift up our heart, we open our mouth in song, we uh, focus our thoughts in prayer, we will hear the stirrings of your Spirit and respond in Jesus' name. Amen.